Well, how's everybody doing? We got a holiday weekend here this morning. I was like, man, you know, July 4th is a, a, an awesome celebration of our nation's independence. We're going to have a whole lot of fun. You know, the other day I was at my friend's house. He said, man, I got to show you something. I said, what, what, what are you going to show me? He said, just come in the garage, come in the garage. This guy had floor to ceiling uh, fireworks everywhere, like the big ones, like the real ones. And I'm like, man, you're crazy. Like that looks like a lot of money. He's like, oh, it's a lot of money. It's a ton of money. So he started going on about how he got them from this place and that place. He's like, you want to buy some? I'm like, no, I don't want to buy any. I'm like, I'll go watch them. About 15 years ago, I learned my lesson. I bought some fireworks and I was lighting them off. We were all over Adrian and Mary's house. And I don't know, I don't know what I put it in, but it was like a bottle rocket of some kind. It was like a bigger one. You know, it was escalating. We started doing the small ones and we started doing the big ones. And I, I think I probably should have upgraded the holder, you know, for the, for the thing. But I was still, still using like the pop can or whatever I had to just shoot off the small ones. And I, and I lit this bigger one and it spilled over and it shot right into the family. I think it hit Precious. Troy was freaking out. And then, you know, everybody was fine. It was fine. Everybody's okay. They, they probably over-exaggerated the situation because now the story's told like I'm this crazy pyromaniac and it's all nuts. It really wasn't that big of a deal. I think people kind of just, you know, it's like a fish story at this point. However, the moment he asked me to buy fireworks, I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not allowed. I can't do it. I've already almost killed my family one time. I can't do it yet. And then, and then about 10 minutes later, I did buy some because they were so cool. Uh, so I have them and we're going to celebrate. It's just an awesome uh, opportunity to celebrate our nation's independence, but it's going to be a great weekend. I'm so glad that you guys made the time to come out. I know people are traveling and going to be doing all kinds of fun things, but uh, man, it's good to be in the house of God, isn't it? What do you say we get into the word? You guys want to do that? I got a message prepared for you this morning. I think you're going to like it. It's, uh, it's instructional. I've been into that. I like, I like coming away with, with something to kind of work on. You guys okay with that? If I give you some instructions, a little bit of something to go home with and kind of kind of learn from. Um, man, I don't know about you guys, but, uh, and I, I'll say this, I don't know that my wife, Rachel, will say this about me, but I think I handle stress pretty well. Now, <laughs> she would say the exact opposite, like I freak out. But I, I avoid stress. And I don't know about if this is like a man thing or, or what, or personality thing. I preemptively avoid stress. So like, I prepare for it. So if like people are coming over, right? If we have like an event coming, I need a few days and I won't be stressed out because I'm emotionally and mentally preparing for the influx of nonsense that's gonna take place in my world and then I won't get stressed. But if you're like, hey, we're coming over in an hour and I'm not ready for it and then there's all this stuff going on, I might get, I might get, I might get a little stressed. I don't know, I just, it's just how I, it's how I operate. So I think I handle stress well. I probably don't handle it as good as I probably should. But how many people in here handle stress well? You guys, you guys with me? You feel me a little bit? I feel like I'm not alone. You know, like human to human, we're not all, we think we're good at it, but often we freak out. We have our, we have our little, we have our ceilings, right? You get to a point, the line gets crossed, and then you freak out. But stress is a tough thing to deal with. And I wanna talk about it today because you know what I found as I read through the Bible and I learn about Jesus and I've read stories and I've seen him work and I've seen you know, how God handled things, how Jesus handled things. I've never read in the Bible, like you think about Jesus' life, right? He, he, he was moving all over the place and almost every story starts out with saying something about how there was a crowd there. There was a crowd following Jesus. They're pushing and they're pulling. He's got to press through the crowd and people are grabbing at him and people are screaming at him. You got people that, that want him for his healing power. You got people that want him for his wisdom. You got people that want him for his peace and his comfort. You got people that want to kill him. You got people that want to chastise him. People that wanted to question him. I mean, on a, on a scale, 10 out of 10, like 
he had every reason in the world to be stressed, right? Like I would be freaking out if constantly people were pushing and pulling on me. And I know people, like I have siblings. Most of y'all know I have three sisters. They're older than me. So on the back half of my life, the back half of my adolescence, I, I was essentially an only child. Like they moved out. I was at, you know, by, my, by my own, my parents were home. So our house was quiet. It was real quiet. And I get called out for this often. Like, you know, the boys will come downstairs, my kids, and they'll be going crazy and whatever else. And I'm like, just relax. Like, what are y'all doing? And Rachel's like, you, you can, you sometimes you can just so tell that you didn't have siblings. I'm like, I do have siblings. I had three. She's like, yeah, but they're so much, they're older than you. Not that much older, but they're older. Just so y'all know. They're older and, and, and like you just have this only child syndrome sometimes about you. And she grew up with like five kids. Their house was crazy all the time. And, and it, it makes me think about it. I'm like, man, Jesus, how, how did he, and I know he's the son of God. So like we can just kind of cut to the chase. It's different for him. But, but how did he handle the stress that came along with being pushed and pulled and stretched everywhere that he went? I mean, can you put yourself in that place for a moment? If you've ever heard a story about Jesus, does it not begin with something like to the effect of the crowds following him or going to meet a need? He was constantly being pulled on for something or by something. Uh, and it could have been, I imagine, very stressful, right? Like, but then the back end of the story, like you never hear like, and so Jesus went very upset, full of anxiety and sweating from every pore in his body. He went to pray. Like he was just like, yeah, yeah, we could do that. Just hold on a second. We're going to do this, and then we're going to do that. There was such a peace about him, such a calm, a cool, collective type of vibe that he gave off. And, 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 and how did he do it? How did he make life happen in such a way that created peace, not just for himself, but all those around him? Right? Nobody likes hanging out with a stressed out person. Somebody that's always yelling and freaking out and going crazy and talking about what should have been and how it could have been. Could you imagine if the disciples were hanging around Jesus and he was just constantly mad about the fact that everybody wanted something from him? I don't think that the disciples would have stuck around very long. They're like, man, Jesus, you got to chill, man. Like, it's just, this is, you, you said you wanted this. You said you were this. And now you're just mad at people actually wanting something from you. Not to mention, what about all the people that were trying to kill him, right? that wanted to stop him from doing what he was doing, questioning him, calling him a blasphemous person. Like there, there's just all these different perspectives or all these things that Jesus constantly had to deal with. And not one time have I ever read in the Bible. It was one. So the righteous anger thing, if any of you guys are thinking about that, Jesus flipped a few tables, but that was a thing. It was a parable thing, right? Like we were trying to understand like, this is not for that. This is for this, this is the house of God. Other than that, I'm pretty sure Jesus kept his cool like all the time, all the time. And, and, you know, it's, it, it, it struck me and it was like, man, how, how, can I, how can I learn from that? How can I keep my cool under pressure? Because what I want to ensure and my goal and my hope is that when people look at me, they see, they feel the cool, calm collectiveness of a father that loves them. Right? A Jesus in me that loves them. Not one that's like ready to bite your head off because... You came in loud. Because <laughs> you were a kid just hanging out in the house and doing what kids do. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Be quiet. I'm like, man, I'm sorry. I was just being seven. I didn't mean to. <laughs> you know, like I see, I see a friend or I'm, in, I'm out here greeting in the lobby and it's like you, you, you said something wrong to me. I'm like, why would you say that to me? Like imagine if we were all in here on Sunday, because we do a really good job on Sunday, don't we? Best greeters in the whole world. But can we be honest for a second? 
Like, I want to see you greet me on a Tuesday. Like, after eight hours of work, I bump into you at Walmart. <laughs> You're trying to get home. <laughs> yeah, let's see how much greeting is going on then. Like, hey, just get out of my way, man. I got to go. I want to learn from Jesus. We all want to learn from Jesus. That's what we're here to do. That's what, that was the goal, right? I got saved. I'm like, man, my spirit's refreshed. I felt something I never felt before. And now I know that I am saved forever. Hallelujah. But I want to grow. I want to, I want to learn how to do this life better. And there he is. There's Jesus. This incredible example of how to live life with just a little bit less stress, a little bit more cool, and a whole lot more love. Let's dive in. The first thing that Jesus did is he identified himself. He knew who he was. In 1 John 2, 2, it says, Jesus is the one who took God's wrath against our sins upon himself, and he brought us into fellowship with God, and he is the forgiveness for our sins. And not only ours, but all of the world's. Man, he took the burden. He carried it. You know, I, 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 the phrase I've heard, you know, a lot of times is, uh, is like, man, I feel the weight of the world on my shoulders, man. Like, I mean, not really. Like, I mean, you, you know, I get it's like a, it's a phrase, but you don't, you don't actually feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. Jesus felt the weight of the world on his shoulders, literally. But we don't actually feel the weight of the world on our shoulders, but we certainly act at times like we do. Jesus calmed himself by understanding that there's a principle that you have to have, and it starts with knowing who you are. That's the first one. You have to identify yourself. Jesus knew who he was. And what happens is when you don't know who you are, confusion sets in. And you know what happens when you're confused? Anybody ever ask you a question you don't know the answer to? Like, there's some, there's some default there. Like, for me, I just don't make eye contact. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. If I don't make eye contact, then I can't answer you. You're not going to call on me? I was doing it this morning. It was funny. A friend of mine was like, you all right? I'm like, I'm good. I'm just not making eye contact with you because I don't know the answer. And I don't want you to call on me. <laughs> there's a default there. But, but, but ultimately what happens is you slowly but surely become stressed about it because you don't have the answer. You don't, you don't know, if you don't know who you are and suddenly you're like, I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to work on that and you're, you don't have that answer yet, stress starts to build because, because you're getting frustrated with the idea of you don't know it and you probably should. You think, man, I should, I should know who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm 45 years old at this point. I still can't figure out. I'm 55 years, I'm 60 years, I'm 70, I'm, right? I, I should probably know who I am so that I'm not constantly living in this world of like freaking out about the identity of who I actually am. In 1 John, uh, or sorry, John 8, 12, Mark and John, and then John 6, 35, it says this, Jesus said, I am. He also said, I am the light of the world. I am the son of the God. I am the way, I am the truth, I'm the life. I'm the bread of life. He declared himself who he was because he accepted and understood the identity that God the Father gave him. When you walk around knowing who you are, there's a whole different swag about somebody, right? Like, it, it's not always the case, because some people just like to be fly, and I, and I can appreciate that, because I do too. So I'm not saying this all the time, but, but most of the time, like, you know, the louder the outfit, maybe the less confident you actually are, right? The more labels I see on you, I'm like, all right, so we, we get it, bro, we get it, you got it. You got the bag at home and you're, you're letting us all know. But how, 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 how many times have you seen the unassuming, like, unassuming paid, paid person, right? The I don't care flip-flops, a t-shirt, 
some no-name brand shorts and shoes, but let's check bank accounts. Let's check, let's check lifestyle. Let's check where you're actually at. When somebody identifies themselves and knows who they are, and it's not even always about money, it's just about confidence. It's about identifying who you are spiritually, who you are emotionally. A well-rounded, self-actualized person doesn't need trinkets or shiny objects to make them feel as if they're something. It just kind of usually goes along. Again, I want to make sure I give the disclaimer because I like a good chain. I like a good pair of shoes. I like all those things, but I don't need those to assure you that I'm something that I'm not. Like, I, those are accessories. The confidence that I have in my life comes from knowing who Jesus called me to be. And when you have that, you walk different. You talk different. You act different. I've had it said to me sometimes, like, man, like, how, how, how do you, how do you, how do you act that way? <laughs> how, you, how are you capable of living that way? Like, like I don't. I mean, you, 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 you kind of like, you're here and I, and I see you and, and I know who you are. I know you love Jesus and I, I know you work at the church or you do this. But like, I feel like we're, we're really similar. I'm like, we are really similar. I mean, maybe you're just not that far away from Jesus as you think. I just know who I am. I know the, I know the Jesus that's in me. And if, and if you want to meet him, it's really easy. And then suddenly you become this, this confident so I read those words, we sang those words this morning. I mean, Jesus, my king, like, I mean, to say it out loud, Jesus, my king, he's my king. If you, if you say those words, it doesn't work in my brain. It doesn't process and not give me a huge boost of confidence. Jesus is my king, as opposed to what? Like, my job is my king, right? My, my spouse is my queen. Like, I don't. You're not any of those things. And besides, what can you offer me? What really could you offer me that, that compared to what Jesus can offer me? When I, when, I, when, I, when I own that, when I understand that, man, I'm walking around with a kind of shoulders back, head high type of mentality that just can't be bought. Identifying who you are in Jesus is key to having peace. There's traps that come with this, guys. Man, two big ones. Copying and comparing. It's been said that the highest form of flattery is imitation, right? And I get it, and I understand it, and that's oftentimes how you learn. But man, let me just help you understand something. God made you unique. You are not a copy. It's okay to learn from somebody else. It's okay to kind of pick up on somebody's style. I get it. But God made you unique. Don't get caught up in copying other people, looking at what other people are doing, trying to be something that you're not. Because when that happens, all of a sudden stress starts to invade your life. While it may work just for a little while, when rubber hits the road, you can't be who I am. And most of you are thinking, well, don't worry, I don't want to be. <laughs> well, don't worry, because I don't want to be you. I want to be me. So when I'm looking for inspiration, I'm not necessarily flipping through the TV or scrolling through TikTok or trying to find the next big thing. I'm trying to be the next big thing. I'm trying to make the next big impact. How do I find that? I reintroduce myself to the Father every single morning. Like Jesus, I don't want to be a carbon copy again today. I want to be something fresh. I want to be something new. I need new impartation. Give me what you made for me. Reveal to me the identity of who I am again today. Man, and comparing, it's, we can, like, man, comparing is the worst. 
Like, oh, look at your shoes. Lana, you guys, I like your tattoos. I want to get something like that. I, I mean, oh, look at his yard. We're going to have to make sure we got greener grass and they, they got greener grass. Man, they got a new car. Now I got to go buy a new car. You don't got to compare yourself to anybody else. God made you and gave you what you have for a very specific reason. And it'll stress the mess out of your life and suddenly you become this undone person running around looking for identification from everybody else but who, 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 than who Jesus is, than who Jesus gave you, what he gave you. And that's what we've become susceptible as a, as a society, have we not? I mean, now we just identify as whatever somebody tells me to identify as. I hear it on TV every day, on social media every day. I can't even keep up with how many identities there are anymore. But we're buying into them because we don't know who we are in the first place. So if you give me one, I'll take it. I don't even know what it is. I'll just take it. And then we try to be something that somebody else told us we should be. And now we're wondering why our mental health crisis is through the roof. Because you're trying to be something that you're not. You weren't created to be these things. Nobody ever told you to be these things except for people that don't love you, that don't, that don't have any understanding of who Jesus is. And they're just putting labels on you and we're just accepting them. We're running around grabbing onto things that just, just mean nothing. It's so dangerous, and that's why it's so incredibly important. Let me just, let me just hit home for DSM one more time, one more advertising. You better send your kids to, to the retreat. <laughs> these, are, these are opportunities for them to identify who they are in Jesus. I love Jesus, man, the way he talks sometimes. He said, okay, so this is a, in, for, uh, in John 8, 18. He said, I testify on my own behalf. You know what I read when I read that? Like my, my modern culture interpretation is like, I, the words that are coming out of my mouth are mine. They're my words. I understand me and I speak on my own behalf. I don't need you to speak up for me because I understand who I am. So you don't need to interpret what I'm saying. Let me, let me just stop you. I speak for me. And when I speak, I understand what is coming out of my mouth. Jesus was clear on who he is and who he was. Let's move on to number two. We got to be motivated. Jesus was motivated. So what is your motivation? You need to know what you're living for. Let me just give you a little public service announcement. Just so you guys know this. And I have a big, I had a, I still have, but I had a bigger problem with this. You cannot, cannot please everybody. It's not possible. Listen, like you, you're going to have people over here that love you. You're going to have people over here that hate you. You don't even know why. You ever been in a position of leadership? In one way, shape or form, everybody in here has been in a, in a position of leadership. Leadership is tough, man. And really what it means is that there's going to be a whole group of people that can't stand you and there's going to be a whole group of people that love you. And anybody stuck in the middle is trying to figure out whether they love you or they hate you. And no matter what decision you make, no matter what choice, what direction you take, some people are going to agree with you and some people are going to disagree with you. Because you just can't please everybody. But understanding your motivation for what it is that you're doing is key to accomplishing the task that God has put before you. In John 5.30, it says, I am not trying to do what I want, but only what my Father who sent me wants. See, there's Jesus explaining, like, look, I, I'm, I'm listening to my Father because I've identified who I am, who he is in me. 
And so now when I hear all the requests that you're making to me, I will take that input. However, just to be clear, your voice is not the one that I'm listening to. It is the voice of my father that I'm listening to. And so when he gives me direction, that is all I have the desire and motivation to want to do. How do we hear the voice of God? Just by listening. It's not, that, it's not hard, right? These are, simple, these are simple principles. What does listening require? Anybody? It requires you to be what? Be quiet. Hearing the voice of God, understanding what he wants from you is how we relieve ourselves of stress because now you're operating in what he's called you to do and not what somebody else has called you to do. John 8, 29 says, I always do those things that are pleasing to him. He goes on to say, there was only one that mattered to me, to him, the Father. Because no one can serve two masters. That's in Luke. No one can serve two masters. In my fifth grade class here at North Coast Christian Academy, we had a rowdy group of boys, man. A really rowdy group of boys. And I remember very vividly that over the summertime, I overheard, you know, I was always overhearing the conversations that was take, were taking place. And, and my dad was talking, Dr. Ketan was talking to some of the teachers, and um, they decided what they're going to do is they're going to they're put a different teacher in the fifth grade class, which I was a part of, coming up to this, this next grade. And the reason for it was because the, the group of boys that were in this class, all, we were all really good boys, just, you know, rowdy. Active. We're active young men. So, so we got, easy, Ron. We got, we, got, uh, we, got, we got Bruce Neubauer. Man, he's the man. He changed our life. But, you know, the, the, the young lady who was the fifth grade teacher the year prior was very relieved, right? <laughs> I'm happy to take down fourth grade. He could take fifth grade. But I remember that year. Um, was pivotal because what it did and what Bruce did is he, he, he immediately created for all of us an understanding of what it means to be single-minded and what it means to be double-minded. It was, it was, it was kind of like a, a, you ever seen the movie Goodwill Hunting? He was like a Robin Williams Goodwill Hunting kind of guy, you know? It was just... It was just important because, because when, when we understood and he began to teach us the principles, even at that young age, of what it means to be single-minded, to have focus, to understand your motivation and why you're doing what you're doing, it flips the script. It took a rowdy group of boys. It gave them understanding of why they're doing what they're doing. And it shifted us and it made us powerful. And suddenly we went from like, you know, the problem to the solution. Because in unity, we gained a single-mindedness of the direction of what God had called us to be. Just as little kids, man, like fifth graders. And quickly became the model for what every other class was trying to do. Every other group of students was trying to do because we understood that there wasn't any success and nothing but stress 
and trying to be two things at one time. So our minds shifted to being single focused, single minded, determined to fulfill the will of God at all costs. Let's jump into number three. You have to, and Jesus knew his calling. He accepted it, he understood it, and, and he took it on with a vigor that focused and locked him in to seeing that God made him for a very specific purpose. If, if we talk about it in like our terms, we're talking about our vocation, what we do, it's our craft. You know, there's a reason, I think, as a kid, you know, and I love it because children uh, often come out and the world tends to numb down and push around and exclude out all that wonder as life goes on and trials and tribulations take place. But you ever think back when you were a child and like, you ever ask maybe your, your mom or dad, like, why, why did I always dress up as a doctor as a kid? Or why was it that I always wanted to be a policeman? Or what was it that motivated me to, you know, uh, uh, just love science all the time and just had an engineering. I like to tinker with stuff, take stuff apart and put it back together. Like, you know, parents, just FYI, those are probably signs and often are of what God has placed into your child as a vocation, as a calling. Jesus, Jesus specifically has placed giftings into each and, each and every single one of us to achieve his glory. And so when you see that, and I remember, man, as a kid, I, I think I did a lot of stuff, but, I, but there was a stretch. There was a stretch. I don't know if I wanted to grow up to be a cowboy or not, but there was a stretch where I had the same gray pair of cowboy boots and, and like just was obsessed with the idea of cowboying for years and years and years. Does that mean I was supposed to grow up to be a cowboy? I don't know. I'm not. I'm glad. But there was something about like working with my hands and roughnecking stuff and just, just you know, that culture that, that spoke to me. So, so I don't know, but, you know, the idea would be to, to, to encourage that, to allow that to flourish. And, you know, the good news is I'm talking about childhood things, but you, know, you realize adults, like, life doesn't end just because you just took on a job, right? You're paying bills and you're like, I don't, this is, I do this for, for money, but I have no desire to be here. I hate doing this. It's just what I have to do. Listen, Jesus placed in you more than just the, the, the wake up, punch a clock and go home every single day life. You have a passion that burns in your belly for a reason. It's because he needs you to fulfill the vocation that he's placed in you in order to serve his purposes. In order to ensure that others know that he is king. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. I mean, like, when you really think about it, you know, each and every single one of us, the billions of people that exist on this planet, the billions that have existed over time, every single person placed, given, specifically built to accomplish a task, a vocation that Jesus has placed inside of them so for his glory. I want you to remember this acronym. It's the word SHAPE. I want you to know he shaped you for his glory. And the first word is S. The first letter is S. It's your spiritual gift. H, it's your heart, your passion, your love. Check on these things. A, excuse me, your abilities. Man, some of us just grow up with natural abilities. When you find it, when you see it, man, it's there for a reason. Identify it. P, 
your personality. Like, look at it. Some of y'all were wired to be in the people business, right? Like customer service, face-to-face interactions. Some of y'all were wired to work in the back. <laughs> your personality, it matters, right? Your personality matters. E, your experiences. Where'd you grow up, right? Where'd your grandma live? What part of town were you from? Where in the world did you come from? Because those experiences matter. Jesus placed you there. God placed you there. And he shaped you to fulfill his glory. John 8, 14 says, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. I love that. It speaks of such confidence. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. I'm not wandering around, twisting and turning everywhere I go, getting distracted by shiny things. I know what I'm doing here, man. James 1.8 says this, a person who has doubts is thinking about two different things at the same time and can't make up his mind about anything. We talked about it already. You just can't be two things. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a well-rounded thought to be a, a, a jack-of-all-trade but master of none, but at some point, I'm going to need you to master something. Have that one thing that becomes your craft, that becomes the thing you hang your hat on. Like when, when stuff hits the fan, who are we calling to do this? Because that's the person, they've honed it, right? They know they can do it with their eyes closed, like the back of their hand type stuff. If this happens, this is when we call Lou. If that happens, this is when we call Tony. If this happens, this is when we call Gerald. Like it's just... We just know who to call in these types of situations because they've mastered, they've mastered how to take care of this because they've allowed the identity and the shape of Jesus to come into their lives. They've worked their way through those things. They've sat back for a moment. They've deep breathed. They've stopped talking a little bit. They started listening to the Lord. They allowed the stress to be removed and to Jesus to kind of move in. And now they're able to shape their lives according to Jesus' riches and glory. In Ephesians 4, 1, Paul said, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Live up to the calling that you have received. Identify it and then begin to work towards it to become a master of it. To be someone that others can depend on in time of need because they know, man, he's got it. She's got it. When I need this, that's where I'm going. And when they need me, I'll be ready because I'm mastering the calling and the shape that Jesus has molded me into. Let's get into number four. We've got a lot of them, so that's why I'm kind of moving quick here. We've got to concentrate on what matters most. Who in here has ever tell me, tell you guys what matters most in my house? Anybody? You remember? I ask my kids this all the time. I've said it a few times in here. I tell them, you know, if things get out of control, I'm like, all right, guys. Let's just stop, take a deep breath. What really matters most? Because right now, you're freaking out over the shirt you're wearing, and it really doesn't matter. What matters most? Jesus matters most. Family matters most. Our friends matter most. But Jesus relieved himself of stress by understanding what mattered most. When we put ourselves in a position every single day to concentrate on what matters most to Jesus, stress suddenly becomes eliminated. Because we're not fudging around 
and messing around and running around and being distracted by all the things that people are telling us that matter. Because everything matters. Everything is an emergency. Everything is call me right away. Everything is 911. I had a friend this morning and I'm so mad at him for it. He texts me out of the blue, 8.30 in the morning, call me. And I'm like, call you? About what? I mean, like, we're close, but we don't text like that. Like, it's a, you know, very specific, you know, thing. So just to say, call me from this guy, I'm like, I got to pick up the phone. So I'm driving in. I'm like, hey. I'm like, what's up? He's like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, man, I need your help. (laughs) I'm like, well, what's up? And he was joking. But he's like, I need to know whether or not we should have spaghetti tonight or we should have, like, lasagna. I'm like, bro. Are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, I'm just messing with you. But I needed you to call me because I want to ask you about we're having a birthday party next weekend. And I knew you wouldn't call me back if I said just, hey, or you'd ignore me. I'm like, you can't do that, okay? That's not, it's not good. Like, you realize you got two more of those and I'm never calling you back ever again. Three. You just used one. I'll never call you back. Two more. Oh, come on, man. You always ignore me. I know you're busy. I just needed you to get back to me. These are lies. I call you back all the time call you back all the time. <laughs> Luke 9, 51 says, As the time drew near for his return to heaven, he moved steadily onward towards Jerusalem with an iron will. With an iron will. Like, do you realize what's that saying? Jesus is moving towards his death with an iron will, pressing through crowds, understanding his destiny, realizing what's about to take place, and says, look, I have, I gotta be somewhere. I've got to fulfill the calling in my life. The distractions, the double-mindedness, the people telling me who I am and who I'm not, who I'm supposed to be, I don't have time for it. My will is determined to focus on what God has called me to be. I am laser-focused. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm called to be. And no matter what's going on around me, No matter what's happening in my life, no matter what sickness is attacking my body, no matter how in shambles my relationships are, no matter how stressed I am over my finances, God, I will, with an iron will, pursue the calling you have placed on me. Because the fulfillment of the Father's destiny for your life is the only thing that matters. Everything else good is a byproduct of the obedience that you have to your King. Everything. If I asked everybody in this room right now if you had to pick an emotion you'd stick with for the rest of your life, Think about it for three seconds. You got to pick one emotion for the rest of your life. I would bet you most of you would raise your hand and say, I pick happiness or joy. Okay, fair, right? But where does happiness come from? How do we get happy? How is it that oftentimes we have joy? Joy and happiness are byproducts of discipline. Joy and and happiness are byproducts of doing things that make you proud. They're byproducts of doing things that make your mama proud. 
your family proud. The dopamine hits that we take when we get happiness, you know, that 3 a.m. carton of ice cream that makes you feel real good at the moment, but you regret later. The shopping therapy trip that you take in the afternoon and like 30 days later, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm my bad. The inappropriate conversation with you have with your work wife. The things in life that make us happy oftentimes are the most disappointing just a little bit later down the road. The byproduct of a fulfilling life comes from obedience to your king. With an iron will chasing down the calling that you have on your life and determining there is nothing, no one, that is going to get in my way, that's going to stop me from getting to where God called me to be. Because I know in his will, I will find a stress-free, peaceful, joy-filled, happy life. <laughs> what's crazy about, I don't know what's crazy, it's just sometimes frustrating, the whole free will thing, you know. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 said, we are free to do anything, but not all the things are helpful, right? We're free to do whatever we want. You got free will. Sometimes I'm like, I would really just, you could just take it from me. I would just rather just you tell me what to do and I have to do it. Yes. <laughs> it makes it easy, right? I love that. Like, I'm not the guy you want to follow in a workout. I need to follow people. Like, I, we should go harder. I'm like, I'm only going harder if you go harder. Like, this is the way that's going to go, man. I'll go as hard as you go, and I'll keep up. It's not necessarily a strong, you know, trait for me, but, but, I, but I make sure I surround my people with, myself with people who go hard. It goes on to say, uh, we are free to do anything, but not all things are helpful or profitable or wholesome or constructive to your character and your spiritual life. Free will is good, but you have to invest in your life. And if you don't, if you don't invest into your life, if you don't discipline your life, if you don't pursue with an iron wheel the calling that God has on your life, you'll just hit yourself with those small little shots of dopamine highs of joy. They'll be removed quickly, and you'll be left with a detest for your life. So invest in your life, right? That's the fun little saying, invest so you won't detest. But investments are hard. It's never easy seeing money coming out of my paycheck going to a place that's imaginary that I supposedly get to touch one day when I'm older. But if I don't, then what? Then when I get there and it's seemingly approaching faster and faster, I won't have, I won't have anything. So I have to discipline myself. I've got to invest so that I have a future. So that I have something there at the end as opposed to just constantly being like, you know what, instead of this month, I'm just going to buy an air pair of shoes because I deserve them. I deserve I'm going to treat myself. Let's go to number five. Meditation. Man, listen to God. Shh, just quiet down just a little bit. You got you to gotta hear the voice of God if you want to stay stress-free. When do you do that? Very early in the morning, Mark says. Mark 135, it says, while it is still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off into a solitary place where he prayed. 
let me, let me just help you understand something. If Jesus, the son of God, has to vacate the premises in the morning in order to get into a place where he knows that he will have peace, that he will live stress-free, then you do too. <laughs> Waking up last minute, running out the door, thinking I'm going to bless somebody today. It ain't going to happen. You're going to be mean. You're going to be, you're going to be short with people. You're not going to be fulfilling the calling of God on your life. You've got to get quiet. You've got to meditate. You've got to do it first thing in the morning. You've got to listen to the voice of God. You've got to hear what he has planned for you. You've got to reaffirm the calling on your life to ensure that the gospel, that the representation, that the testimony of Jesus is being given away everywhere that you go. You've got to meditate. You've got to find a quiet place so that you can hear what it is God is saying to you. You know, Jesus is everywhere and everything. I was here the other night for the Jesus Revolution movie. And this young lady grabbed me afterwards. She's telling me all about it. And I'm like, oh, it's so good. And she's like, you know what? I just love how Jesus works. He's everywhere. I'm like, he is everywhere. It's pretty cool. She's like, no, I was watching HGTV the other day. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I, just, I don't like those shows. I think they're corny. It's like HGTV. I'm like, here we go. So she's telling me about HGTV and how they're remodeling this house. And, and I was watching it. And the, the assistant called her boss and she said, hey, we have this house for sale. And he was out of town, so he couldn't come and look at it. And she said, there's this house for sale. I think it's great. You'll love it. And he's like, look, I'm going to send you. I can't be there. But if, if you think it's good, then I'm going to go ahead and let you buy it. And she's like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, go ahead and buy it. You can buy it on my behalf. And he's like, you know, I trust you and, and do it. So she did. She went and she bought the house. She did her inspection just the way she, she kind of was trained to do. And she got it. And he comes back, right, back into town. They go to do the inspection. And long story short, what they find out is the whole house is infested with termites. The whole place. And it was a big one. This was like a 400000 She was telling me a story. Some big, you know, expensive house. And they had to put like another half million into it. This is going to be like a seven-figure type of project. So it was a big deal. And, you know, so they're doing the interviews and, and she's freaking out. Like, He's going to fire me. And it's just, it's like, it's, it's not going to work out. I can't believe I did this. I just lost my job, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and then the, the man comes in, the boss comes in. He says, he's like, look, you know, I, I understand this didn't work out well. Um, and it's, it's, it's not working out well, for real. <laughs> it's bad. It's really bad. He's like, but here's the deal. I've invested way too much in you to fire you. Uh, because of this mistake. Because to be honest with you, like, I don't know that I would have saw it either. And the truth is, is that now you know what to look for. And, and rotted wood, that's a big deal. But now you know how to see it. And, you know, she's crying and telling me the story. And she's like, it's so amazing to me. Like, I saw that show and on my couch, I wept as I felt the presence of God invade the room. And, and Jesus reaffirmed for me that He's invested way too much in me to get rid of me. <laughs> I'm like, HGTV is the best channel ever. <laughs> it's still lame. But it was a good story. I'm like, man, I don't know. I, I, I think, man, yeah, anyways, I will stop hating on HGTV, but it was good. I was like, man, that's good. Jesus is everywhere. You're watching a TV show and Jesus shows up. But what it told me more than that was that I was talking to a woman who spends time in the presence of God every day because she realizes that when she's listening, when she's got like her Jesus headphones on, everything is Jesus. It doesn't matter if she's watching a TV show or she's at the store or she's, you know, listening to a song or she's at work. 
Jesus is on in her mind and in her spirit all the time because she spends her mornings, I would, I would assume, I, I, I bet you, I bet you, every morning this young lady is, is in the presence of God listening to what he has to say. So she's remained in two. She's, she's meditating. And what it creates for her is an opportunity to live stress-free. Right? I mean, just thinking about that for that young woman on the TV show is stressful. She's about to lose her job. She made a wrong decision. And here's this gal sitting on the couch. She's like, oh, bless you. She's going to keep you. Jesus is going to restore you. <laughs> it's amazing, man. That's what happens when we're living in a meditative state, when we're, when we're staying in, in, uh, in the presence of God. Luke 5, 15 says this. News about Jesus spread even more as crowds came to hear him and, and to be healed. But Jesus, Jesus often slipped away to be alone so that he could pray. What a human, what a quality human trait. Often Jesus slipped away from the crowds and removed himself from the noise in order to ensure that he would be continuing to hear the voice of God. Because we know now that he was driven with an iron will to fulfill the calling on his life and understood the principle of providing himself time to hear the voice of God away from the noise of what was taking place. The people pulling on him, ridiculing him, asking of him, needing him. For Jesus to often slip away and find a quiet place to spend time with his father so he could just be restored, renewed, refreshed. I mean, that's a playbook I would suggest we all just go ahead and listen to. The WWJD right there, like, it rings loud and clear. Find a place for yourself, not just in the morning, but often throughout your day to hear from the voice of God. So that in order you to continue to fulfill what God's called on your life. Let's move on to number six. We just have two more to go. Man, this is a really important one. And Jesus was incredible at this. He collaborated. And essentially what he's saying is he had small groups. He had life groups. He had 12 of them to be in fact. He understood that he needed a support system around him of quality people with a similar determination to fulfill the call of God on their life in order for him to fulfill the call of God on his life. He didn't just leave it up to a Sunday morning experience for an hour and a half, two hours, come in and leave and expect everything just to be all right. He knew every single moment of every day he had to have those people in his team, at his back, his boys, that when he needed help, they would be there for him. You know, and sometimes it wasn't even that he really needed them. He just needed them to be there. You ever have a situation like that? You just, I don't really need you to say anything. But if you could just sit with me, that'd be great. If you could just listen to me. If you could just feel me. Because the, the pain that I'm experiencing, the hurt, the ordeal, the news that I just got is crushing me. And how much easier how much less stressful is it when you've already established a family around you of people that will just be there for you, that will just comfort you, 
that will hold your hand, that will listen to you. Jesus ensured a stress-free life for himself by surrounding himself with people that would be there for him when he needed them. In Mark 3, 14, it says he appointed 12, designating them apostles, apostles that they might be with him. In Matthew, it says, Jesus said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, but please stay with me here for a while. I mean, it's just, you think of the son of God and it's like, he doesn't need anybody. But, but in the moment before his death, understanding what was about to take place, he looked back at his disciples and was like, hey man, it's going to be a long weekend. <laughs> if you would just sit with me for a little while and just watch, I would really appreciate it. I could imagine him quivering a little bit like I am right now. At the thought of what was about to take place. And the momentary feeling of being alone and worried and having doubt. To be able to turn around and ask the disciples to come with him, to stay watch, just to have my back. Because what I'm about to go through, I, I don't, I don't even, I don't want to do it alone. Just, just, just watch with me for a minute. Just be there. So when I look back, I just see your face. That's all I need. Surround yourself with people, a church family, a life group. Put the phone numbers in your phone. Keep the text thread alive. It's so important that we depend on one another. We don't isolate. We don't leave the, the table, as Pastor Troy says. That we stay seated and we demand that our brothers and sisters be there for one another, to support one another. Here's my final one. This is a fun one. I like this one. Jesus ensured a stress-free life by making time for recreation, by getting away, by having fun, by relaxing, by ensuring that he was never too busy to take a vacation. The biblical kind of old world definition of going into the desert, I know, I know we read it this way, but here, here's, here's kind of an interpretation of what that means. Like you're going into the desert, you're going on vacation, getting out of the city. You're going to a place of rest and relaxation, a place where you can get restored, a place where you can kind of let the load off a little bit, get away from the crowds, turn off the phones, have some moments of reflection. Take a little sun bath, and relax. You know, we're so busy, we run around doing everything. It's like, man, I don't have time for that. I can't go to the life group. I, just don't, even, I don't have time to meditate in the morning. If you're too busy to pray, you're just too busy. You're just too busy. <laughs> you, you filled up your day with too much stuff. And if you really take a look at it, like how do we live stress-free, right? One of them is you got you to take on what matters most. And if what matters most to you is work, you, you're out of place. 
If what matters most to you is, you know, going to visit a friend and doing this and then doing that and shopping and going here and going here and, 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 and spending time in meditation and prayer isn't one of your to-dos, you're too busy. You got to make room. You got to make time. If you're too busy to serve, you're too busy. Oh, I don't have time. You're, then you're too busy. You have to make time. Those, those moments with Jesus, those, those callings, those commands that he has given us, I mean, for goodness sakes, he put in the Ten Commandments. You, you got to make time to rest. I mean, that, that's pretty easy. If you're, if you're a Christ follower, like, that was, that's a big one. Rest. On this day, we rest. Don't do nothing else. You hang out with your family. You worship me, right? You restore yourself. You eat some good food. Take a nap. Maybe two Get back to it tomorrow. If you're too busy for all that, then you're just plain too busy. And when you're stressed out, you're not living to the full calling in your life. And when you're not living to the calling in your life, you just ain't living. You got to be L-I-V-I-N, man, all the time. Finding some space to let loose a little bit. Man, go let the wind in your hair. Go rent a convertible. Like, go to the beach, lay out for a little bit, have some fun, go over to Cedar Point, take a roller coaster ride, maybe just watch, I don't know, whatever. The older I get, I'm like, I don't know, I'll go once. It's mostly the lines, to be honest. I think that's really where it's at. I don't have the patience for standing there. But you got to make time to relax. Living all stressed out the way we do, guys. It's, it's blocking. Here's the point. Living stress will block you from the destiny that God has for your life. Applying the principles that we talked about here today give you the opportunity to fulfill the calling that God has for you. And in that calling, you find joy. In that fulfillment of that calling, you find peace and happiness. You find wholeness. You find health. You find wealth. You find all the promises that Jesus has given us. And it's not going to be found everywhere, anywhere else. It's discipline. It requires it. I mean, it's kind of cool to think about you have to be disciplined to take a vacation. Well, look, sign me up. I'll be disciplined every day. I'm just ready to live a little more stress-free. You guys ready to live stress-free this morning? Let's close. Go ahead and stand up on your feet. In Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, it says, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and I'm gentle. And in me, you will find rest for your soul. Man, I don't know about you, but man, I could use a nap. And it's not because I'm tired physically, but I'm just tired of trying to carry around the burdens of life. I'm tired of trying to figure everything out on my own. I'm tired of trying to understand why this is going the way it's going. And, you know, why, why is this person over here dealing with that? And I just need some rest, Jesus. I just need to, I need to give you my burden. 
And here's the thing, like, that was him asking to take it. <laughs> I'm over here saying I need to give it to you. And he's like, I've been trying to take it from you forever. Since day one, I've wanted it. I joyfully take it on. Because I love seeing you live stress-free, son. I love seeing you with your feet kicked up. Head laid back on the pillow without a care in the world. Because I'm your father. And everything that you need, everything that you've ever wanted is found in me. This morning, you know, the whole message is a message of, of joy, if you want it, peace, if you want it. And it's, it's, not, it's not an achievable, task-oriented thing. It's, it's, it's really like a, a don't give, give up, give in. <laughs> I'm not asking you to quit. I'm just asking you to give in. Give in to the goodness of Jesus this morning. Give in to his healing power. Give in to his restoring power. Give in to his peace that passes understanding. <laughs> Give in to his a thousand cattle on the hill, his riches, his glory. The fulfillment of the promises that he has for you are full of goodness and hope, of joy, laughter, rest, relaxation. It's a give-in moment. Right now, right here this morning, it's a give-in to Jesus moment. If you're ready to live a whole lot stressed, a whole lot less worried, a whole lot less anxiety riddled, This is what you came here for. That's why, that's why we come together. Whether you know Jesus this morning or you need to be reminded of him, <laughs> reinvigorated, reintroduced, or meeting him for the first time, this is the Jesus that you've heard about. It's one of peace, joy, Relaxation, direction, understanding of who you are, identity. He's the whole package. He takes everything bad and he turns everything good. I mean, it's just, it's magic. <laughs> and if you know, you know. And if you don't, find out. What's the worst you could what's, what's the worst that could happen? Nothing. 
It was so fun watching Jesus' revolution the other day. It's what it felt like. You know, it's just like, what's the worst that could happen? We took all these drugs. We did all this other stuff. We might as well try that. Look at it. It worked. It's awesome. What's the worst that could happen this morning? <laughs> you can walk out of here and laugh at the devil instead of cry. You can stare fear itself in the face and not be afraid. You can tell sickness to go from your body and believe it. You can command peace into your household and it actually happened. Those are some pretty good odds. Those are some pretty good trades. Give in to Jesus this morning. Give in to his peace. There's altar ministers that are coming up to the front right now. Elders, prayer partners, people that, that, that know this, that live this. And I, and I want you to know that they are, they are the, some of the most empathetic people that I've ever, ever had the honor of knowing because, because they fight this fight every day. They find that secret place every single day. They make time every day to ensure that the voice of God is being heard so that when you need them they're ready this morning they're ready this morning you're ready to meet your maker to be reintroduced to him again to be reinvigorated refreshed restored and ready for the rest of your life no matter where you are what stage how old you are where you're at how many mistakes you've made Don't be so arrogant to think that God can't work through your mistakes. That's the premise of his whole message. I've done too much. You arrogant punk. You ain't done enough. You could do it more and more and more and more and more again. And he will use you over and over and over and over again and restore you over and over and over again. There ain't, there ain't enough dirty. He's the God. He's the one. He is the I am. The Alpha and the Omega. And he wants you to give in to him this morning. If you're ready for that, bow your heads with me. And I would just pray this morning, God, that the hearts of the men and women, the boys and girls under the sound of my voice would be filled with the peace of God, the peace of Jesus, the one who died for them, who gave everything for them so that he could take on the burden 
leave them with nothing but peace and rest and joy. This morning, Father, we accept you into our lives. Jesus, I accept you. I give in to you. And I rest. I sit back and I relax. Knowing that you have everything under control. We bless you. We worship you, Father. Almighty King. Holy One. Beautiful. Matchless. Father, I love you. Thank you over and over and over again. Thank you over. God, you're so good. this morning spend some time with Jesus come up here and talk with somebody these are people that'll love you that'll help you comfort you whoo y'all want to stay here all day I kind of do listen live right love everybody no excuses no terms and conditions love everybody live right blessed. We will see you here Wednesday, seven o'clock next Sunday. Hallelujah.